वेलकम टू सिंटॉक Sintalkers around the table today discuss the rise and decline of silence. The concepts would be from physiology, physical systems, engineering, sociology, linguistics and technology in general. We hope to touch areas such as aphasia, whether or not there's a universal grammar, codes, semantics, syntax, whether it's possible to have a private language. How do we learn to codify and interpret sound and silence? How has language evolved over the years? What's the link with speech? Is speech an illusion? What's the long-term future of silence in general? We are pleased and privileged to have recent talkers around the table today. Professor Ganesh Devi, who is a writer in three languages in Marathi, Gujarati, and English, he's a tribal rights activist, and he led and completed the People's Linguistic Survey of India, which was a one-of-its-kind survey in India. Alka Sapru Joshi, who works in the area of disability management, and she has been teaching psychology for several years, and is from the Ali Yavar Institute in Bombay. Professor Dhanesh Manik from IIT Bombay, who's been working for several years to reduce all unwanted sounds for human beings, is from the mechanical engineering department and is a specialist in the area of vibrations. Ganesh, maybe we set the ball rolling with you. Um, from a linguistic standpoint, what is language and silence to you? And is it? Do you think of it as a living organism? Um, does it metamorphose into something without a seal? Is it an emergent property in Ethnet? And uh, how do languages come to be? And which is in a way linked to the question of how, why do languages die, which is an area that you've worked in particularly over the last several years. primarily silence is unfortunately but necessarily a word right which is a paradox yeah there was a time when word was silence yeah before the emergence of language mm-hmm. human language and also the language or noise culture of animals which is a reflection of the aggression that humans let loose towards other species right uh, it was all silence but silence is not one right and is uh, various kinds of silences mm-hmm. there is the silence of profound silence of raman maharshi yeah <laughs> there's the uh, intriguing silence of a mona lisa yeah there is the shattering silence that shakespeare would place in the last sentence of a tragedy the rest is silence of course 
Yeah. There is then the uh, what Burke would call sublime. Right. Say the silence of the Himalayas. Right. 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 And there is terrifying silence of the last march of the prisoners in a concentration camp. Auschwitz or whatever. Then yeah. there is silence <laughs> that is imposed by the state on terrorize citizens in the form of a structured aphasia. Yep. Yep. And there is silence that a child experiences before the emergence of the idea of the self right in the nearness of the mother's body and its warmth right 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 there is also the, uh, the there is also the uh, uh, s- silence of those who uh, who uh, who do not have the physical apparatus mm-hmm. to pursue sound of course yeah the histories of all these silences are different the Correct. genesis is not 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 common common right right and therefore to speak of silence as a singular right would be uh, unfair to any of these silences right but conceptually is silence very similar to the empty space between a cup between words conceptually silence is an aspiration mm-hmm that humans have entertained all along mm-hmm. from the moment humans became humans that is homo sapiens getting into language yeah homo sapiens a, becoming a, sapient as yeah. a, as a, yeah. as, a, as, a, as a as a point of rupture yeah and in that process they lose something getting getting yourself in a physical position which is completely unnatural of having an erect back and standing Uh, not not being parallel to the earth but being perpendicular to the earth right not being nature but actually beginning or being culture yeah that's a shock yeah. like you know like like freud would say uh, what you you know you have something loss of your childhood becomes the stuff of your dreams in adulthood correct silence dreams, is yeah. a dream that mm. we have all dreamt mm. universally Mm. Uh, we think that silence is potent it has meaning we think that silence exists mm-hmm. somewhere mm-hmm. but who knows when the big bang took place right whether that anath nad anath dhvani right the vibration of the cosmos right enveloped everything yeah or not yeah uh, we do not know yeah, uh, yeah. therefore uh, silence is an aspiration a dream a wish to be fulfilled right uh, and that is possible only when language declines right and culture learns to naturalize itself becomes part of nature again right. when words disappear right. and maybe symbols signs uh, images uh, such as cinema image photo image uh, digital image replace the human language right which is not unlikely to happen given the uh, very high rate of decline of human languages right. probably we are rapidly moving in that direction so but silence is still sure. a, a thing of the future right it is not a thing of the present or of the past right though right. all stories of genesis begin with the idea of silence right in the same moment they also uh, talk of word how the world was created out of word Correct. how it was created out of sound yes om so you 
right in i mean throughout right. in right. all all streams of metaphysics correct genealogies uh, aspire towards silence correct correct but correct. Uh, but they do not uh, establish or validate existence of silence even in aesthetics all the rasas can be described the shant can be seen on you know bharata's nakshatra all correct. on stage but shantarasa cannot be demonstrated as shrungara hasya or you know bibhitsa water shanta is a a conceptualization of the sum total of all which is only to which be admitted as be, which is only to Correct. be claimed as being there hmm. but cannot be validated demonstrated reproduced it's very interesting yes. so silence is something you, which right. is not there right 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 it's perceived in the sense alka let me jump to you and you know uh, uh, ganesh touch upon the concept of meaning somewhere um in the critical phase of when a child is just about growing up in very early days of one's life uh, what does a sound mean to a to an infant and to a child in that critical sensitive phase before one has acquired the conscious state as uh, ganesh is pointing out uh, is there a difference between sounds pre-consciousness and post-consciousness um how does it work well, from a developmental standpoint i think uh, what uh, ganesh has said is very interesting from mm-hmm. uh, the point of view that silence is an aspirational yeah uh, something yeah. that's aspirational but i have a somewhat different take on uh, silence as against noise or sound right i i think of it as a very living uh, entity in a certain sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um it is something uh, that could be um voluntary it could be something that's involuntary right it could be good silence and you could have bad silence right um, right to come back to what you said about how it happens in the early childhood or in the uh, developmental period mm-hmm. um it's it's um, something that children uh, when you hear when you start the auditory feedback loop it's right. called the auditory feedback loop mm-hmm. when children start hearing sounds mm-hmm. um they have the apparatus mm-hmm. um both um the oral mechanism when does that come in is it there at birth of course the it potential is. for that is there you have right. an oral mechanism you have right. mouth you have lips you have tongues uh, you have your trachea trachea the, you have your your larynx, larynx and everything and the works it's Correct. all there Correct. Uh, all the muscles that support uh, right. it and all the the the, the lung power the uh, the fact that you breathe in and you breathe out so is and, a baby um, able to hear his or her own cry when Oh yes i mean i yes. there is evidence for prenatal hearing so this goes back to the um, what yeah. is that very chakra interesting view. Yeah. the chakra view of course yeah. so i think that's there, there is much to be said for these things uh, right. and right. that's why i'm so impressed with what um, right. ganesh just said right um, right but uh, the child hears people around him speaking he produces his own sounds mm-hmm. and gradually those sounds start getting associated with specific things or events or people around him mm-hmm. and i think that's pretty much uh, what happens now this cannot happen in isolation there there are a number of theories about how language gets acquired right. you have the nativists and chomsky who talks about the, the universal language grammar. universal yeah. grammar with earlier they were talking about the language acquisition device correct correct which is uh, to say that you're sort of hardwired correct uh, for for the correct. production of speech correct uh, developing language and speech mm-hmm. and then 
over and above that, I don't think we need to be very rigid in our thing. We can have an eclectic approach to it. Over and above that, you have your culture around you and you have re reinforcement that brings in Skinnerian concepts, mm -hmm. you know, that when the child produces sounds that approximate something that the mother wants to hear, something right. like ma, right. and she's right. excited and she's happy and she sort of hugs the baby, holds the baby close. Right. The child's feels the vibrations of ma, the resonance factor. Right. The child hears it auditorily right. and knows that it produces such joy and pleasure in the mother. And this is something that he wants. It's a gift that he's giving mother. Right. So he's more likely to keep approximating the various sounds till it comes to a word and from a word to phrases and from phrases to sentences and paragraphs. And the, there's an explosion of language by the time the child is about 18 months old. Right. So right. I think that's pretty much what happens. And why why is there this succession from nouns to verbs to adjectives to adverbs? I mean, is it is it a loosely defined concept or does it always work that way in almost all languages? Oh, I think it would pretty much work um, that way in almost all languages. Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty much what happens with deaf, deaf um, right. speech. Right, even in sign language. Yes, with, with deaf Very people, when they start mm -hmm. acquiring language, it's still nouns. Mm -hmm. for first and verbs. And I think it's the relevance of meaning of these things in the life of the of the child. Right. A child needs to draw the attention of mother, right. father, right. siblings, right. relatives right. for its survival, for right. caretaking. So and thereafter, it's it's things that once people start looking after it or responding less to the child's vocalizations Correct. and early verbalizations, then he needs to be able to, or she needs to be able to say things Turn like, words and, yeah, yeah, you know, right. I want, right. give me water or whatever it is. Then Go some verbs, object to action. Yes. Correct. And that's Correct. when the verbs and all that come in. Correct. And then Correct. you have the subject object thing. Um, it's very interesting. So it's I think that's pretty much how, Manish, how it do takes you, place. Uh, I mean, from as an engineer and as someone who's thought about noise and sound over so many years, um, when you when you think of our vocal apparatus and our auditory apparatus as human beings and as animals in general, um, is there a machine-like quality to it? Is there is there a system at work there? Is is it a machine that, in a robotic afterworld, uh, something could be created out of that in a sense, which is um, which is very parallel to our to our system? Is is it a machine at work, net net? Uh, and how would you? How would you think about our auditory and vocal apparatus as an engineer? I mean, as I see as an engineer, there is a fundamental difference between speech and the sound made by machines. Yeah. Machines, in general, they make repetitive sounds. Correct. The same sound over and over again. Whereas speech... The same sound for the same action. Same action, almost similar actions of the machine, Correct. it can make the same sound again and again. So that's one of the reasons it is much easier to analyze the characteristics of a machine sound. Yes, uh, yes. In contrast to our speech, our speech has so much variation because that is fundamental to the understanding of what is spoken. Yeah. In fact, uh, if I am right, uh, the way in which our Akshar Mala is arranged, yeah. it is based on the way it sounds. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. everything is organized in that manner. Correct. So, so it's a phonetic organization yeah. as opposed to some of the some sounds fall off very fast. Some of them don't, and that is how you we get distinct sounds. Correct. So, uh, in technical terms, it's called non-stationary. Right. And for machines, we call it as a stationary because there is some statistical 
regularity in uh, the way in which they produce sound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And people would like to hear sounds uh, which are not repetitive or monotone or monotonous. Right. They want variation right. in the way in which it is spoken. this foreground versus background tension almost? Uh, not really. Um, the way in which it is spoken, uh, uh, I just forgot the word, uh, correct word for this. Uh, uh, it should have a lot of variation. That broadband sound, in a sense, is, would, would that be the way to think about can, it? Can, Dinesh, can you help can, me? Dinesh, can I, is that intonation, the rate and the rhythm of speech, the intonation? Intonation, pa- articulation. Articulated yes. Articulation. Yeah, articulated There's a lot sound. of variation. Variation right, sound. Right. And that kind of sound is most clearly understood by people. If there is mm-hmm. a lot of articulation and modulation. Right. I don't know the exact uh, technical right. difference between articulation and modulation. Right. Modulated sound is the best and most of the uh, TV and radio announcers, you know, they would like to speak in that way mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. most uh, clearly understood. And right. Uh, right. for me, silence means um, what we don't hear is silence. I have a very much... It could be a sound, but it could be silent. Yeah. uh, What we don't hear, you know. Correct. uh, It depends on the level of our hearing. Yeah. And... um, That 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz, that's obviously the auditory band. Right, right, right. So, that I would call it as silence. And uh, we require silence. I mean, the way in which I have, you know, understood in a straightforward manner. Yeah, uh, yeah. We need silence and we also need sound. Mm-hmm. So that is the conflict we have. We need silence because you know uh, we want to reflect upon ourselves. Uh, yeah. We need silence. Yeah. And uh, we need s- something to be heard because uh, we want that sound. Sound is some kind of a feedback from the world in which we live. Right. In a way. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So both are required, and they, they have to be balanced. And most of the time, we don't have control on both of them. Yeah. 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 But in the in the world of physical systems and in the world of machines, are we becoming more and more silent? What's happening? Are and is silent necessarily, silence necessarily desirable? The or? urge to become silent is always there, and that is what people are working on. Since 1950s, a lot of work has been done, and it is mainly based on noise-induced hearing loss. Noise-induced right. hearing loss was the trigger for right. all our work on. Uh, uh, trying to reduce noise from machines. Right. Uh, but now right. it has slightly changed. Now, now that we have achieved most of it, uh, we would like to have machines which sound good, which we appreciate. So there's an element of sound design almost. You're trying right. to create an intentional sound. It's not mm-hmm. just the quietest machine which is good. Right. It's, uh, it should be quieter. It should also be pleasant. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the requirement of the present day consumer products. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But... At least in the world of physical systems, silence is largely linked to the concept of sound and it's auditory, right? It's purely auditory. Unlike in the world of linguistics and sociology where there's this entire concept of the written word. And maybe, Ganesh, it's a good time to think about why do some languages subsist and some don't? And what role does a script or an alphabet play to that? Is there an alphabet effect at work or some kind of an alphabetic monopoly almost which leads... Some languages thrive and some to potentially be on the verge of extinction. Scripts have nothing to do with languages. Correct. Scripts only represent language. Look at English, for example. It has no English, script of its own. English uh, does yeah. not have a script of its own. Yeah. <laughs> it has a script, but not of its not own. Not of its own. Yes. Not of its own, yes. yes. It's still, yes. A, still a language. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, we have to look at uh, 
why humans acquired language at all in the first place yeah that's a good point was way back in the history of evolution mm-hmm. the first phase of meaningful communication was through science through theater it was science Without before sound, sounds like we have silent movie yeah we have silent theater oh was that so which ran from about 5 lakh years before our time uh-huh till about 2 lakh years before so there was silent theater before actual that was vocal. communication right right that was com- then music became a mode of communication yeah I mean, yes it's crying yelling shouting yes it's, it's exercise of voice yeah it has taken us about 2 uh, lakh 30000 years <laughs> Mm. then came in language mm. in full sentences mm. that's just about 70000 years ago it's a very short time think of the you know 1400 crores years of you know yes, the, the big big, uh, big big bang, big bang yeah. <laughs> about you know 600 crores for our planet about 250 billion years for, for 250 crores uh, to, uh, no, millions you count them in millions yes yes for the emergence of life yeah human language is in full sentences it just about 70000 years old which is i mean human civilization is 100000 years old something like that yeah it so is it is it is now an, an evolutionary acquisition we cannot get out of language right but language is limiting in many ways for mm-hmm. the activities of the human brain oh is that so and mm-hmm. and uh, therefore the human brain is trying in the process of evolution to get out of language mm-hmm. and move to image right i'll i'll explain why this is so language has discreated things unnecessary things like time yes when other animals won't have time or yes say the uh, light you pursue today yeah yeah might have been emitted by a star several years ago several about uh, 2 200 light you know years ago yeah so whether <laughs> it is today or 200 years Correct. ago we don't Correct. know so Correct. the time is time is a notion which we have floated because of language correct because of that we created the past tense the present tense and the future tense but has has the, the ability lang- yeah sorry sorry to interrupt but has the ability for abstract thought gone in lo- grown in lockstep with the growth of language it has it has it has uh, the, the ability to turn sensation into perception into cognitive yes existed in the drama yes and music phase of communication correct correct but the ability to turn sensation to perception to cognition has come with language correct but i mean wait for a moment please don't say abstraction yes the full ability for full abstraction will come to us when probably language gets replaced what we call natural language mm-hmm. gets replaced i am not thinking of machine language right uh, a language of imagery image mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the past the present and the future tense will collapse together correct it and will you know be concepts like those are used in game design in the yes. baby it will be like what happens in the unconscious probably correct perception Which emotion cognition action are, so you get uh, all the way to action able to uh, able to articulate even that right because right. in order for us to grasp the entire cosmos mm-hmm. that is necessary 
mm-hmm. because at the moment we languages have created frameworks for us correct which do, do not allow us to grasp the entire space correct and entire time as being together because in reality uh, it's I a mean, tenseless I'm, world i'm hesitate using the term reality because yes <laughs> i'm using it only as a metaphor correct <laughs> but but the the existence uh, of the the being of the cosmos correct is we're not able to capture that with the help of the human languages as they are today correct. and therefore we all driving ourselves to a higher level of evolution right uh, some saints or yogis or visionaries like arobindo would say you need a higher consciousness right in order to grasp that level of life and being correct uh, so that's the uh, tenseless that world in a way but if we move away from the anthropocentric view of time and silence and obviously evolution if it's happened over 70000 years from a human standpoint are animals and their languages also evolving is there any evidence or speculation to that effect or i mean bees uh, bees have a language yes. of trigonometry right uh dance ants have a language of you know of uh, of machine like calculation mm-hmm. simple like the ants know precisely how long to go and dilip disuza wrote that beautiful piece <laughs> so uh, other animals have languages mm-hmm. but humans their their physical position biological position is such position of the body right is not like the position of the other animals right and it is it is the spine having it is the animals whose brains are removed from the earth right their distance from the earth uh, because <laughs> of the spine you know right they, they require this kind of language but uh, we should never forget that language is also creation of a certain economic condition correct this are the, the moving uh, the realization that need we, for a thought to travel we can uh, realization of the seed that we can cultivate yeah no other animals cultivate yes humans cultivate yes so when you realize that when you realize that surplus can be created out of cultivation correct out of that uh, production you can create capital so language keeps moving uh, successfully which needs an appreciation for this concept of time you were talking about ganesh while ago uh, doesn't it if you if you describe the cosmos or the species in terms of an evolution process of evolution mm-hmm. then the concept of time comes handy correct but correct. if you describe the cosmos and the species not in terms of evolution but in terms of being there then time is not necessary correct correct so correct. it correct. is a I question mean, of heideggerian concept yes, yes of course yes. so so yeah, yeah, actually yeah. our becoming and our being probably are happening at the same, same time, time. Yeah. probably we are still at the moment where the big bang happened we are in the yes. middle of the big bang we are yes. not outside it <laughs> Is, we think being we, and becoming uh, is very existential yes. in a sense yeah it is yeah. like yeah. a lacanian stage you know correct lacan uh, uh, 18th yeah. month was mentioned yes so we think that we are away from the we are separate from the mother's body correct but which we are not because right. uh, i mean the, the mother earth the mother cosmos correct we are within it correct 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 and uh, balkar's script yeah. has mm-hmm. taken a toll of languages right. because printing technology was brought into enhancing script yeah. and print technology was print capitalism yes. and therefore dialects were created 
where languages existed right. and minor languages were created where only speech practice existed prevailed and so a hierarchy of languages has come into Correct. Deep. Written above in, oral, written, in a sense. Written some global Correct. languages, Mandarin, Correct. Spanish, English, Hindi. Correct. Correct. Some scheduled languages, non-scheduled languages. Correct. And so, as a result of that, many languages are dying. Out of 6,000 languages in the world today, mm-hmm. 4,000 are likely to disappear by the end of this century. Wow. That's a, oh, that's that's a very wow. frightening, wow. frightening uh, wow. thing for wow. those of us who speak And what language. was that number, let's say, 100 years ago? 4000 was it 6000 10000 has there been a decay or is the decay accelerating the total number of languages from 10000 years ago that is agri- agrarian uh, yes. civilization is estimated at about 22000 so we down to 4000 from there uh, yes so we'll we'll go down to 2000 22000 uh, took birth rose disappeared disintegrated But a language does not die like a buffalo. I mean, it dies like a mountain. Correct. Uh, leaves it's its very gradual. And yes. But is, is there a silver lining somewhere? Uh, are there are, are new languages being formed at the same time? Uh, and uh, Dhanesh, probably it's an important place to get an engineer standpoint. I mean, what do you think of the artificial languages as a language, for example? Um, the computer languages are their language. I mean, obviously, they're not language for communication, uh, but they do do something, don't right. they? Somebody asked a question, you know, when I was in uh, US, can computers work in your language? Yeah. And I told them computers don't understand any language, you know, they understand only zero and one at the yes. fundamental level, it's all zero and one. Yes. So we can always write a program to translate anything to zero and one. It's Correct. basically the compiler which basically does that. Correct. So at the... fundamental level uh, it's all the same for a computer correct so a computer doesn't really distinguish between uh, uh, i mean various scripts of course, of course. and coming back to um, various types of computer languages we already have you know mm-hmm. uh, we have uh, pascal fortran c++ etc etc so we only try to improve them right. systematically and we make it easier for someone to write a program and it is much easier to write a program at a much higher level so that what know, what is compiling when you say compiling it's probably yeah. linked to the concept of understanding and interpreting yeah. and translating a compiler basically translates the program which you have written in the way in which you have understood right into you, the you, language you know, in which the computer can understand right 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 no the rules of that are understood easily and you can write a program for example you want to add two numbers uh, right. is equal to b plus c right. and you can always evolve a language Uh, which can do that uh, we can provide this syntax and so on but the computer doesn't understand that so the compiler basically what it does is it tries to link the two mm-hmm. and it tries to convert what you have written into a program which is understood by the computer and the computer with its logic of handling zeros and ones can come up with the answer and once again translate it back to, to the Got way it. in which you expected the answer Correct, Ganesh is. I mean, does can translation save languages, or or I mean, um, or is, does it all just get subsumed into one universal language? Sure, I, I will answer that. But yes. This zero and one fascinate me. Yes. This is the Greek, the understanding that the Greek language had mm-hmm. of the concept of zero and the concept of one. That is being used in the computer sciences. Right. In Sanskrit, you got three zeros. Mm. One is shunya. 
mm-hmm. which is vacuous right the other is purna which is zero but it is filled with everything it but the only thing is nothing that is you know the things that are filled in nothing takes birth nothing dies right therefore everything it's inside eternal is in eternal and therefore you cannot you cannot it's almost infinity it. is it infinity pur is purna no, infinity it's not infinity it's not infinity it, it is zero right which has everything right right uh, i understand that zero is the sum total of all existence yes 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 uh, yes so no there, there is a third one called kh kh mm. is the sky right we are all in that zero and right. there things therefore there is word called khag in many indian languages right panchi right words right that kh Uh, allows things to take birth and things to die right if you have you know similarly there are corresponding ideas of units right right so three zeros and three ones those notions mm-hmm. if we take together and build a new computer science it would be completely different from this present cybernetics it's very so, interesting com- when you ask if do computers understand languages all computers understand only the g- understanding that the greek had of zero and one so it's so binary right. it's yes. binary right binary. binary what is absent cannot be present what is present cannot be absent <laughs> but the space in between can be de- is defined in every language differently so the space between zero and one is defined differently in every language the that is that space in between is silence actually it's very interesting but, <laughs> <yes>. but <laughs> translation uh, you know yeah, we, yeah. We, we ever since we started naming speech habits of a community as a language mm-hmm. and then speech habit of another community as another language mm-hmm. we started thinking of translation yeah as if language is natural and translation is cultural i mean language Correct. is given Correct. and translation is done Correct. Some Correct. Of course, but human consciousness, human consciousness universally, is basically a translating consciousness. Right. It is not that our brain is a box which has space only for one language. Yes. Which we recognize as one language. It is quite likely that fifty years later, linguists come along and say this is not one language, but these are actually two languages. Right. Together. Right. So, so uh, translation is natural. and language is artificial language right. <laughs> that's how we should look at it yeah alka how do you right indian consciousness certainly is a translating consciousness that's why we feel comfortable across with the chachis yes. and the mummies <laughs> <laughs> that's right alka how how what's the link between the ability to con- comprehend and understand sound and ability for thought so i mean does language come before thought does does thought follow language w- w- what happens i think this is an it's an eternal debate obviously it's, it's a it's <laughs> huge debate in the, these unrelated fields and um, uh, i i i think i think that there is uh, something to be said for this concept that maybe um the potential for language is there and speech is there the potential for thought of course is is there mm-hmm. um in the early years this is my personal right feel about it mm-hmm. that the cognitive processes mm-hmm. uh, sensation to perception to cognition right. that starts off right. and that 
perhaps in a sense sets the stage for early language development right. i say that because if you look at normal children right the normally developing i should use the correct yes. politically yes. correct terminology yes the normally developing child uh, the child will listen for a long while but for one year is articulating certain sounds but is not speaking in correct. a true sense correct there is no meaningful word for at least a correct. year correct correct uh, but there are a lot of cognitive processes that are happening which mm-hmm. are priming him for language right and that right. is why speech pathologists is there I mean, coherent I, is there coherent cognition behind those oh i think so very right. coherent right. because in the early years i mean in the early months if you look at it things like uh, cause effect right If right. you look at Piaget, yeah, of course. Uh, we talked course, about Piaget, Piaget theory. Yes, of course. Talks about how they acquire, um, um, you know, uh, the the concept of um, um, what was I? Uh, whether they 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 are appreciating uh, what is there, what is not there, object yes. and person permanence. Correct. Correct. There's little games that mum plays with them. and she sort of hides her face behind her palla and she'll say quee and Correct. the child Correct. shrieks with laughter because he is aware that something that is there just doesn't vanish because it's out of sight that it's hidden somewhere Correct. so i think these are the cognitive prerequisites for language speech pathologists talk about it right. the cognitive right. prerequisites for language right. now that itself tells me that language is some sort of a thing that overrides Uh, sorry cognition is a sort of thing that overrides, overrides the development that. of language yeah. but once language takes off yeah in a sense that there is has been enough inputs for the child uh-huh. the child now starts using words creating you know meaning out of what he hears right. and using language because expressive language is usually believed to be somewhat larger correct tires जो कहेंगे शब्द कोश dreadful with languages <laughs> um so anyway once the child gets that then there's an explosion of language yeah but as ganesh rightly pointed out i think that in a strange way after there's been this explosion of language it can start limiting thought because you are bound right. by the words that are with you right to describe events experiences and feelings right uh, the, the the most classic example they keep giving is that of uh the word snowflake yeah yeah in english yep. as against the word that the words that the eskimos use yes apparently course. they have something like 20 or 22 many meanings words yes to yes. describe different types of sm- snowflake and what each snowflake might imply in terms of changes in the weather pattern is this linked so to the so concept so of subvocalization so i mean in in the early phases is a child subvocalizing do we subvocalize even before articulation uh i think there is imitation there's no till you have the words at your command right i think sub vocalization wouldn't doesn't happen, happen. no right. i don't think so right but, right but he is is assimilating language and then the the cap that um, cognition puts yeah um, yeah on on the early development once language explodes 
language can influence cognition. Those who are known to have a very large, a very rich language base. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine would be able to be more creative and, and more thoughtful, thoughtful and, and, and more uh, things to fiddle yes, around with in a sense. Ideas and concepts that you can throw around in your head. I mean, if you do try explaining certain advanced concepts right. to people who do not have the words to describe those kind of things can become right. extremely, Prob extremely difficult right. because you right. cannot necessarily explain these things in the physical sense. Right, right, right. So they're words right. that are easy to describe and define. Correct. Correct. There are words that are not, for which Correct. you may not have a physical entity present. Correct. Those so it's kind the objective and work territory almost. Right. No, Danish, I mean, obviously there's this entire world of non-human sounds and sounds that machines make and sounds in nature, um, the sound of a species, um, the ocean splashing on the shore and so on. Is the world of sound in the physical systems any different and how... How are those sounds designed? I mean, for example, the sh sound of a car door being shut, the sound of a huge machine at work, the sound of trains at work, and so on and so forth. Is there an element of sound design in all of that? Or is, uh, from an engineering standpoint, is it a simple task of just reducing noise? What's happening in that world? Yeah. Actually, we don't have a choice in many occasions. Right. The sounds are just produced the way they are produced. Correct. And uh, because of the evolutionary process, we are sensitive to some sounds uh -huh. and we are generally concerned about it. Uh -huh. What is not heard, uh, we don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is <laughs> one thing. The other thing is, um, we are also not worried how this affects other species of animals. Right. Oh, that's right. Really you know, there is a right. huge, I mean, we can have a huge, you know, a very extended discussion well, on, on birds and whales, for example. Whales, yes. Because of uh, the noise generated by the underwater vehicles, a lot of Submarines whales, and yeah, ships. Yeah, 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 a lot yeah. of whales are washing up because they need the, it's a basic communication device, you know, yeah. they produce sounds yeah. underwater. Yeah. And it gets mixed with the sound produced by the uh, machines yeah. under sea yeah. and their life is disturbed. Yeah. And we are not actually worried about We are only worried about how it sounds to us. But whether it, it is going to cause noise-induced hearing loss or not, whether it is going <laughs> to be pleasant so to us and so on. I yeah. think that, that we, have to, we have to change our But is it possible that the whales will evolve a new language which will in, yeah. somehow sen in some sense assimilate the... That's difficult because the evolutionary process is, is going to be very, a very, very, very long process. It cannot yes. happen uh, in such a short period of time. Right. And uh, maybe their uh, annihilation is going to be much faster than the way, uh, than the time it takes to evolve. Right. Evolution is a difficult process. It takes much longer. And obviously different animals and different life forms would be hearing different frequency ranges, wouldn't they be? Right. Uh, That's true. That is right. true. For example, right. a dog, it can... Uh, it is very sensitive. It is much, much more sensitive than human beings. Yes. So if you yes. burst a cracker, it causes much more anguish to a dog. <laughs> but it can, you know, I think about uh, it can hear up to hundred thousand hertz. Right. I think that times. this view that we need to start looking at animals, other species, and, and other species whom we must coexist with right. for our own survival. Ultimately. But they're also useful, you know, just because it's able to hear at a higher frequency. It can actually sense a snake going. You know, yes. Which we yes. are not. Uh, and yes. it also is very sensitive, much more sensitive than we are. It can uh, sense very small sounds right. and uh, react accordingly. Right. Uh, what are the causes of sound from an engineering standpoint? What causes sound and what causes 
silence uh, by its absence uh, you were talking about vibrations are is all sound vibratory or are there are other right see the way things are set up in nature you know they are not designed from one perspective yes i would like everything to be nice silent but that is not the basic property of the material yeah you want to use a metal yeah the property of the metal is to make sound yeah but unfortunately it is used everywhere yeah but you know you can't change the property of uh, metal just for the sake of sound because it has many other other properties other properties which are yes. required yes. for its normal usage so we have to accept things as they are for example is phonon a real particle or it's just a conceptual artifact i am not a physicist right i really don't know about phonon fundamental aspects of right uh, materials. right right but metals have less damping yes yes you know it, they give a ringing sound yes so that is the main cause of sound in all the machines yeah so at best what we can do is we can put something over that some kind of a rubber like material and try to increase the damping of the metal and reduce sound that is what i do in most of the situations so when you have to reduce sound what do you do do you try to change play around with the materials you try to we reduce friction we keep the material friction. as it is yeah we put one more rubber kind of structure and put one more metal we call it as constraint layer damping you know where you sandwich right. rubber between two metals two hard surfaces right it adds a lot of damping to the system and right. in the process it tries to reduce the sound produced by machines it works in most of the occasions it works provided there is a place for a damping material to be put right it works everywhere whether it's a railway engine or a cabin noise you know irrespective of that but you should have a place to put that kind of material right right yeah. and are are larger systems usually more noisy than smaller systems or it's, it's just a very stupid way of looking at it for example our phones do they make noises and are are smaller systems making noises or mic making noise uh, compared to or does it just have to do with size and the it would be a rough rule of thumb that the larger the noisier the size is inversely proportional to frequency yeah If yeah. you have larger vocal cords like what we are males <laughs> we produce slightly lower frequency right so right if right you, if you see that you know there's a small shift between uh, that's very people. interesting mm. but why it happened is once again an evolutionary process where yeah. how they were used actually yeah yeah so an elephant can be heard very far away by another elephant right it produces you know very low frequency five sound. words something like five, five words five wow. words wow. and now we are trying to make microphones which can sense that five words so that they don't get run away by uh, run over by trains right right <laughs> right, right so if you can yeah. do that it will be very useful to us but we don't require five words for our normal Uh, yes missionary sound because we are very insensitive to lower frequencies in fact we many times we ignore frequencies below 250 hertz oh is that so it doesn't so? matter because it's there's the ambient noise is to we are very insensitive right. we are in very insensitive it uh, a sound at 250 hertz is different from a sound at 500 hertz in terms of our sensitivity we have a very non linear relationship with uh, frequency right you probably have to get to about 1000 hertz for 1000 hertz is the most sensitive frequency <laughs> you can so? design yeah. machines so? which yeah. are away from away and much below 1000 hertz right 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 then at right. about 16 15 16 for example 16. this conversation between all of us what what would the frequency range be very I roughly think it speaking it starts with around uh, males around 300 hertz 250 300 hertz right right and, right uh, right little higher for female right uh, 
right right no that's very interesting that's very interesting so once again the size of the vocal cords very important yeah yeah and elephants have a much larger vocal cords so they produce lower yeah. frequencies yeah 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 and uh, i don't know if it's the right even smaller life forms and ants and bees clearly they do have a language and it's 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 a language of sound would would, would that be fair to say ganesh yeah it is <coughs> language of sound combined with language of movement mm-hmm. language of uh, uh, olfactory ability olfactory abilities olfactory. as well mm. uh, the language of uh, organizational uh, uh, movements and so on right many right. languages right uh, right natural human language is one kind of language among millions of languages of course that the biosphere has produced right plants have languages right uh, but not verbal languages right i right. I, i think uh, you know bertrari got it right Oh. <laughs> he uh, he describes he, i mean words like tokens mm-hmm. he, uh, objects held on the surface of a, a of an ever flowing stream right right which he describes as meaning right the moment you take that word you know you move the token back the reflection disappears right so he says meaning is permanent right and words we use words but right. we think we use meaning right he says meaning is outside us somewhere do we lose meaning when we lose words no uh, meaning meaning is is like a bank yeah which does not reduce its capital uh, any time at all right right we think that when we use words we are taking something out of that bank and not at all right silence that silence Mm-hmm. s capital i would say is like that a permanent flow of meaning yeah and through words we trying to dip get into that, that almost yeah But our words are never adequate yeah to get silence yeah not even discarding words is adequate to get that silence yeah we have to think of a different idea of language altogether not a diff- new language like existing languages a different conception of language altogether yes. not necessarily which would be humans began evolution of language with sight yeah. not with voice yeah and eyes honestly are the most well i said it most honest to the thought <laughs> also <laughs> eyes age <laughs> eyes age with the body naturally voice does not age with body naturally right. my voice or telephone will sound so the same so there's a peak ability with sight and yeah, because voice necessary. voice is given to us from outside socially mm. given right But sight is in more it. biological more physiological yes. in a sense right so right. The, the language of imagery yeah uh, probably cinema has made a beginning Yeah, <laughs> uh, Plato had thought of this when he thought of solving the enigma of the shadow. Yes, in the cave, body and the shadow. Yeah, <laughs> is the object and the image language. Correct. Uh, that that strain has been developing in philosophy, whether in cybernetics, or in theater, or in philosophy, or in spirituality, or in material sciences, and probably will reach a stage of communication in future. Mm-hmm. as you said 2 or 300 years from now maybe 500 years from now maybe 1000 years from now when that language will enable us to uh, understand whales yes 
the mars there's already some work in that you know on the internet of things so, almost yes so life and matter understanding life and matter together yes as a continuum yes yes that kind of language we so we are in an early stage of evolution of communication language is a temporary phase silence is the future to come for us <laughs> so there could possibly be a world which is largely silent from a auditory and vocal standpoint and where our ability to think and ability for cognition and ability for if you manipulating the word is not in any way reduced it's in fact it could be enhanced if you think of silence only as an you know as uh, opposed as to sound yes but probably silence is a lot more than what is opposed to sound good yes. silence yes as you know as as was pointed out yes will accommodate even sound yeah the necessary sound as he said not yes. unnecessary sound yes good silence will have harmony yeah balance yeah rhythm yeah music beautiful uh, yeah not discord not yes. conflict yes the it will have good understanding to live together with whatever there is and there shall be right that right. is silence right right I think right. this is a very interesting because, uh, yeah. point of view yeah. because that's how I see silence when I yeah. Yeah. think of it as good silence and bad silence yes, and of course. A voluntary and involuntary. Yeah. And if you're looking at it in its widest perspective, eventually bad silence would be psychic depression could bring bad silence. So. When you have psychomotor retardation, when a person yes. is in a major depression, may not be producing speech output, may be withdrawn from people and around them for example or, does depression actually lead to aphasia can it just lead to something no, happening no it doesn't right? lead to it's aphasia learned aphasia no, almost no no it's not it's referred not. to as aphasia aphasia would come with some sort of uh, neurological neurological damage to right. the speech centers or the comprehension of language centers of the brain that's the wernicke's area right um, but does that happen very early on or it can what no, no, is that risk happen typically it would happen with uh, trauma or right. brain insult right. it could be um, at early, later ages right. as a person ages it could happen with uh, with things like uh, strokes right very very typically associated with strokes but right. also associated with things like tumors right and lesions because of infections of infectious right. origin right. Uh, closed head injuries right uh, due to right. accidents and so on right. and so forth right uh, but uh, there are the kind of um slow developing aphasias which will happen with things like um, uh, dementias yeah yeah so it's not sudden and rapid onset it's too gradual it's it too would be gradual a gradual onset. sort of a thing um, and alka this is a very intriguing area right because the way there is this easeful acquisition of language in the early critical phase and the sensitive phase like you pointed out is that in any way similar or analogous to the way let's say an alzheimer's patient or a parkinson's patient ends up losing the faculties of language and ability to speak and yeah or they're just very different <laughs> that's that's a very interesting sort of a question because yeah. there seems to be some sort of uh, pointers in it's much that people tend to lose abilities yeah which are if it's a gradual process yeah. if it's sudden and dramatic it's there one day and it's gone tomorrow right that can happen right but typically you will find that uh, people remain comfortable in their own language the primary the first language yeah but lose L1, the second language but might lose the second wow mm. things that are closer in time to you uh-huh. there are types of uh, uh, you know sort of um, 
amnestic conditions yes. where early memories are retained and latter yes, part yes, of it yes, gets of lost. Course, of course, so I think uh, it's much more variable in pathology. Yeah. According to me, any yeah. kind of loss is much more variable than the normal developmental uh, process right, right, from an evolutionary right. point of view. Right. But and that's very interesting. The, the point that I'm uh, really looking at, one is the point that I've been most profoundly moved by, yeah. is um, the nation's uh, concern for other species, uh, the other species which is something that we completely ignore. Right. And uh, I think even if we look at it from a purely, the virtue of selfishness yes, sort the of point of view. Yes, the anthropocentric view, even you know, from a human side. Even if you look at it from that point of view, you need a lot of these animals around us, species around us for our own survival. Yes, yes. Um, so that's an important thing. And the other thing is from the spiritual angle. Yeah. It, if you define silence as something that is just an audiological entity or yeah. a physical entity, yeah. then of course, um, silence is at once declining because of noise and mechanization and it's also growing because, because we technology. must, it's a part of a whole process. As uh, uh, Ganesh pointed out, this may not be a culmination of uh, man at this point of time is not standing on a threshold of a new world. Yeah. <laughs> we are part of the Big Bang. It's still going to it's happen. Still growing. Things, it's still Early to, evolution almost. <laughs> yes, yes. And from a language point of view, certainly if you say it's about 70,000 yeah, or so yeah. odd years old. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Very interesting. But, but from the a personal and immediate and in a, a sort of a general sense, in a real sense, there is... There, are, there is a need for silence that people have. Yeah. And uh, the retreat, when we talk about going into a retreat or go, for a yeah. hermit going into a cave in the Himalayas yes, and staying yes, over there, yes. he's looking for silence so that he can contemplate. Correct. But introspection Correct. is not the same as um, meditative silence. Of course. <laughs> An introspective silence is perhaps you're not talking to anyone or you're not even talking aloud. Just rearranging your thoughts. A of rearrangement of thoughts, ideas and feelings within Correct. yourself. Correct. Some of which might be quite agitating. Correct. So for me, silence to be really meaningful silence, it has to be a meditative, almost spiritual silence where you are at one with yourself and with the world around you. Um, it it's would be very a interesting. step higher than the next one. The peak experience, this, just move, tending towards that peak experience that you were peak, talking about. Yeah, it, this goes beyond. I think the spiritual silences, the mourn and the right. uh, the ruts that people take and they retreat in themselves, but they're meditating and they're calm and they're, uh, there's an absence of active thought. Agitating thought is not there. Right. Danish, what do you think the machines are doing? What's going to happen if you spend the last two, three minutes just anticipating the world of physical systems and machines. Uh, are these sounds getting more complex? Uh, yeah. What is happening and what's going to happen? I would like to talk about the rise and fall of silence within a typical day. Yeah. Okay. So, we need silence during our sleep, you know, to keep our biological clock right. in a proper sense. Right. Everybody needs eight hours of sleep. So, right. we need eight hours of absolute silence right and then you know when we wake up we need some kind of sounds for us to wake up from sleep and right. get back to normal work and so on but what happens in a typical day is not under your control right so right right uh, in that context i think uh, silence is required as a biological necessity <coughs> and 
not everybody needs silence at the same time. That's also a very complicated issue. Right. Many people work in the night shift. Right. For them, the sleep starts at 10 o'clock and right. 10 o'clock is a typical day for all of us. Is there a market for silence? Is there a way of physically creating silence? Is there a way of putting earphones on which just shuts out noise? Yeah. Now, s- some very good earphones have come. Uh, yeah. And that is actually going to work for sounds which are repetitive in nature. Right. Right. Uh, right. You know, if you go on an airplane, you know, that's going to make same type of sound. And, so those can be blocked out. Uh, you, so they can be actually cancelled by what is known as anti-noise. It produces right. another signal of an opposite phase and cancels. But nowadays we do get some headphones which are so designed that they almost block without using any active cancellation. Uh-huh. They almost block out the external noise and you can hear your favorite music. Right. But that also has imminent dangers. People wear that and move along the road. <laughs> and, uh, right, right. And I think right. if you hear That's that too note. loudly, it's then you note. have noise-induced in- hearing loss and then you are back at the audiological clinic. <laughs> so I think that's... And noise-induced hearing loss is going to be caused in future not by machines which are louder, but because of devices. Devices which, which are, are being used or misused. Rather. Left us less receptive to sound around us. Terrific. Thank you so much. It's been great speaking to all of you. And we look forward to seeing you soon again. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank Thank you you so much for having us here. Thank you. Thank you. Good seeing you.